The Orlando Magic, close to finishing up their workouts, close to finishing up pre-drafted is draft week here in Orlando. I'll explain why Paolo Bancaro has probably fallen off the pace for the number one pick, but why he still believes he's the number one prospect, plus a brief history of trading the number one pick and the Terrence Ross latest. We'll get to all that coming up on today's Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is June 20th, 2022. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk a little bit about Paolo Bancaro, why he's really fallen off the pace for the number one pick, why perhaps there isn't as much excitement about what is perhaps the most NBA-ready of the top three prospects. We'll get into him, plus some trade discussions, a history of trading the number one pick, and of course, uh, the latest on Terrence Ross, as there's been some movement, some rumors uh, on the horizon with that. Before we get to that, though, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. No matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, especially this week, a very, very busy week here in Orlando uh, with the Orlando Magic. Um, a lot to get to this week, so we will have a lot of fun uh, getting ready for the NBA draft on Thursday. Remember the Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Before the NBA draft lottery, um, I was pretty firmly in the Paolo Bancaro camp. I was a, a pretty firm believer that this was the guy that the Magic needed or this was the kind of player the Magic needed uh, to get them over the hump, uh, to kind of give them the scoring punch that they've been missing. And again, if you if you look at the tape, if you watch Bancaro play, it's very, very clear that he can be that big-time scoring option. He can be that guy that drives a team. My reasoning in drafting Paolo Bancaro in a pre-lottery mock draft where I had the number one pick um, was quite simply, Orlando needs someone who can get the ball in the basket. If they are building toward a playoff team, if they are building toward being uh, this really good team, uh, championship-level team, they're going to need someone that can beat a set defense. And... It's easy to get enamored, and it's easy to look at the scoring, and it's easy to watch the tape and say, Paolo Bancaro is it. If I had to guess, if I were to make a prediction today on who was going to win Rookie of the Year, I'm going to predict Paolo Bancaro. I think he's the most NBA-ready prospect. I think he's ready to do what he is good at immediately. And I don't want to sit here and say that picking him is the wrong pick. I still believe it would be a good pick. There are three good picks at number one this year. It's really exciting and really terrifying at the same time. Um, ben Carroll is going to be a good NBA player. And Ben Carroll believes that himself too. Paolo Ben Carroll in a media call uh, on Friday 
pretty much told everyone he believes he's the best player in this draft. And and, and again, you watch the tape, you watch him play, there's no reason to argue it. There's no reason to say, oh, this guy doesn't have it. And yet, everywhere you go, myself included, someone who was on the Bancaro train, was a member of the Bancaro bunch, everywhere you go, you see Bancaro slotted into that third spot. As the chase to be the number one pick, at least according to our friends at Bet Online, uh, has narrowed between Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith, Bancaro has fallen further and further behind, and it just does not seem like the Magic are that interested. Sunday came and went with no reports of Paolo Bancaro working out with the Orlando Magic, um, and we're getting to draft week. Workouts are pretty much done. Yes, there are still some workouts going on around the league. It would not completely surprise me if the Magic do conduct a few more workouts or are planning to conduct a few more workouts this week. Um, but but essentially, their pre-draft prep is done. And while you know we know Jabari Smith came in, he met with the mat with the Orlando media. You know, Shaden Sharp came in. He spoke. He spoke about his workout in Orlando uh, on other stops around the around the circuit. Uh, it was reported that Keegan Murray came in. Uh, we know Chet Holmgren came in, according to according to NBA sources who talked who, uh, who I've talked to. Um, we know Chet Holmgren was in Orlando. We do not know if Paolo Bancaro made it to Orlando or, or what kind of contact the Magic might have had with Bancaro and his camp. It's maybe too much to assume that the Magic didn't interview him or didn't at least interview him or didn't at least or, or, or had a workout with him somewhere down the line. I think that might be a step too far, but certainly it is a little bit odd, you know, considering what, what we've heard you know, more concretely about the other two prospects. So why? Why is a player who is a pretty good scorer, who is a dynamic offensive player, able to work the mid and low post effectively, a a, a promising three-point shooter, a better passer than he gets credit for, why is Paolo Bancaro slipping? Why do I feel like Bancaro is not the pick anymore? If this were the early aughts, I don't think there'd be a question. Paolo Bancaro would be the first play, first pick in this draft. If we live back in those simpler times where you could just ISO, ISO you need an ISO score essentially to win, I think Paolo Bancaro is clearly the number one pick. I've told people he reminds me a little bit of Carmelo Anthony, not as good as Carmelo Anthony at Syracuse, mind you, but his style of play reminds me a little bit of that. The way Duke used him putting him in the high post, putting him in the low post, putting him in the mid post, and just kind of letting him break down defense, set set up and get into a shot. It's not that those skills aren't valuable. They are. But this is ultimately always the question with prospects. What can you do when you aren't the main player? Paolo Bancaro's usage rate was up around 27, 28, sometimes even 29% for good chunks of the year. And again, Jabari Smith had a high usage rate too, but it's also he was a spot-up shooter. He was shooting a lot of threes. Paolo Bancaro had the ball in his hands, isolating. And this gets back to the kind of bigger global question that I've had about the way the Magic are approaching this draft. The bigger global question is, 
what kind of team do the Magic want to be? What kind of team are they building? And the more I've asked myself this question, the more I've come to the conclusion that Paolo Bancaro is not that answer. The Orlando Magic last year had the second fewest isolation possessions per game, according to NBA.com's tracking statistics. At like I think it was 4.9 uh, isolation possessions per game. Only the San Antonio Spurs had fewer. It does not seem like it fits the idea of the offense the Magic want to run. They're not looking to isolate guys. Yes, it's going to be an important. Yes, eventually that's going to have to be an important. A important part or a part of the of the game that the Magic have to have if they're going to compete. But as they build the basics and bare bones of their offense, that's not who they want to be. We watched the Magic offense last year work a lot out of the high post with Wendell Carter. We watched it use dribble handoffs to get guys in motion and try and spring guys free to get downhill to the lane. We saw them use pick and rolls pretty heavily. We saw them try and move the ball. Again, the Jamal Mosley thing, the pa- uh, space pace and the pass. None of those things fit Paolo Bancaro. And so to me, the reason why Paolo Bancaro, who will be a very good player, has fallen off the pace, has fallen uh, to the back of the pack as far as the first pick goes, or out, out of the peloton, is because his style of game lacks versatility. And he's not good enough as an isolation scorer to force the Magic to change things. If Paolo Bancaro were as good of a scorer, again, not that his numbers don't suggest this, but if Paolo Bancaro were an elite ISO scorer, this wouldn't be a conversation. At the end of the day, we are dealing with a draft that is not the strongest draft. Your questions about Jabari Smith and his ability to create off the dribble are valid. I'm not here to dismiss them. I'm not here to paint over them. Paolo Bancaro is good, is very good at the thing that Jabari Smith is weak at. In the same way that Jabari Smith is a knockdown shooter and a great defender that Paolo Bancaro is not. Paolo Bancaro is a good player. Don't get me wrong on that. I'm still a believer in him. I still believe that he's going to have a very successful career. But for what the Magic are trying to build, he does not fit. And he is not a good enough player, or at least is not being evaluated as a good enough prospect to build around him. That may be wrong. That may be a miscalculation. But the way Ben Carroll struggled in February, again, only eight games, a small sample size, but a sub-40 finish. His struggles at times defend his lack of positional versatility and defensive versatility most important because your position today is who you defend. Those are ultimately the things the magic believe. Those are all the things that are going to tell and care to look at the number one. And it's why the fact that he we don't have confirmation that he's been in Orlando, we don't have confirmation that he has been here and done that and worked out for the team. That's probably all the confirmation we need that this is really a two-man race. And the countdown is on as the clock is ticking down to 805. Make their pick. We hit that time of the year where people talk a little bit. We got some trade discussions coming up in Joe's Lock. But first, quick, let me be clear. For a quick word 
for pals at Bet is your number one for all your betting needs and stuff. All the reviews and news, including this year's Stanley Cup and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today to use your mobile dev- or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So you know that there, there's a little bit of a life cycle, I think, and 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 when it comes to draft preparation, it is a long month between the NBA draft lottery and the NBA draft, and inevitably around this time, about a week to go before the NBA draft, the week of the NBA draft, people start to get bored with the same narratives. If you listen to this podcast every day, first, thank you, really appreciate that. You guys are awesome, um, but you're probably a little bored of me saying the same things over and over again. Um, yes, our, our analytics tell us people listen to about three episodes per week. So we are oftentimes encouraged to repeat topics or repeat kind of things. And frankly, there's only so many ways that I can repackage the same thing in, in, in a certain way. Um, and yes, I will keep doing that. Um, there, there, there's only so much to talk, so much to talk about. And I do think what happens is we get into a narrative run, uh, and we start, wandering off to kind of not illogical places. They're still logical, but you start kind of inventing conflict. Um, that is absolutely something that happens. When, when you get bored, you kind of invent something to interest you. Uh, and inevitably, every single draft around this time of year, someone asks the question, why not trade the number one pick? I've seen this especially with the Chet Holmgren stuff where people are so certain that the Oklahoma City Thunder want Chet Holmgren, they think the Magic should at least feign some interest in Holmgren or even threaten to take Holmgren unless Oklahoma City offers them something to trade up into the number one pick. I personally think that this is kind of silly. I think that this is, uh, A, this is, I think, just a lot of board talk going on. I don't think there's as much of this cat and mouse game or this kind of game theory stuff going on. Uh, between front offices. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I do think some GMs and some executives do play this game. Um, My read of Jeff Weltman is he is not someone that has a poker, you know, not that he doesn't have a poker face. I think he does have a poker face. I think he keeps his cards very close to the vest and leaves people guessing what he's going to do. But I think when he is talking to someone one-on-one or when he is uh, in negotiations for a free agent contract, he is very upfront. He's very upfront with the people around him from everything that I've heard. Um, so I personally, I think Waltman doesn't really have the patience or the time for people playing games with him. And, and I think that's part, you know, I think that's kind of valuable and, and kind of refreshing, to be honest. Um, he's not, he's, if you're going to deal with Jeff Weltman, you're going to get an honest dealing. Now, he may hold some cards closer to the vest than others. Um, you know, you do have to keep some negotiating leverage, but I think, honestly, if you ask him a question, he is going to answer it honestly. So, yes, this time of year, people do ask the question, should you trade the number one pick? And my answer almost always is no. The Magic have control here. Whether Houston makes a dream offer to move up to number one, uh, you know, again, if 
the Magic are okay with Paolo Bancaro, maybe they do that. But at, at the end of the day, my draft philosophy is always go get your guy, whoever your guy is, go get him. You have the number one pick. Go get your guy. Just take your guy. I'm not even joking. If it's Shaden Sharp, I don't think it is. He's apparently had some terrible workouts. Take your guy. That's all that matters. Get the guy that you believe in, that you want to build in. That's all that matters. Everything else is just fluff. But uh, one thing that I did do this weekend, one thing that I did look at is what do these trades with the number one pick look like? There have been a few. Um, and most of them have worked out. Really the only one that, there's, there were a few in the 50s that didn't work out and, and the NBA was so different back then um, that I, I almost don't even want to count those or discuss those and I'm not going to. Um, but the modern trades of the number one pick have all largely worked out for the team that traded number one. But I think they all worked out because of very specific conditions that existed. Namely, the team making the trade is not relying on the number one pick to be the foundation of their team. Um, they don't need the number one pick. They don't need the, the influx of talent. They need a specific need. They need something very specific to get them where they want to go. You look at the recent number one trades of the number one pick. The uh, Cleveland Cavaliers trading Andrew Wiggins to Minnesota for Kevin Love. They did that because they signed LeBron James. They did not need Andrew Wiggins or that version of Andrew Wiggins. They probably needed this version of Andrew Wiggins that we have today. They did not need that Andrew Wiggins. They did not need the top pick. They needed an established star like Kevin Love to anchor their post. When the Boston Celtics traded Markel Fultz for Jason Tatum, uh, the, for, uh, the first pick for the third pick, Philadelphia did actually make that make that pick. Was, uh, the trade was confirmed uh, and done the day before the draft. Um the Boston Celtics were pretty set up. They had Isaiah Thomas. They were in decent shape. The pick that they were picking was Brooklyn's pick. They did not need the number one pick. And in a runaway year where Marco Fultz was the number one pick and the Celtics were stocked with point guards, they were like, we want Jason Tatum. We know the Lakers are taking Lonzo Ball. We will trade down and you know, get a, you know, get a little bit from Philadelphia uh, to, move, to swap places. Even the Orlando Magic back in 1993, Chris Webber was the runaway first pick. He was the guy that ever, he was a, he's a Hall of Famer first off. So yes, he was absolutely the runaway first pick. The Magic didn't need another big. Even in a league where there were a lot of twin tower lineups, the Magic didn't want another big. They wanted a guard. And Penny Hardaway was the guy that they targeted. And of course, they got three first, three future first round picks because Don Nelson was crazy enough to entertain Pat Williams when he said, "Oh, give me six. That's 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 they negotiated down to three. All of these trades, even uh, nineteen eighty, uh, what was the year? Nineteen eighty six. Um, Pat Williams, with the, as the general manager of Philadelphia seventy sixers, traded Brad Doherty, the number one pick in the draft, to Cleveland for Roy Hinson, a trade that Williams would later say he regretted. But mostly because it came in tandem with some other moves for a team that for a playoff team that was trying to get back in the playoff on. The pick that they used actually belonged to the San Diego Clippers. And a funny connection in a trade made in 1979 that sent Joe Bryant uh, that sent Joe Bryant, Joe Jellybean Bryant, to the uh, San Diego Clippers. Jellybean Bryant, of course, being Kobe's fa- Kobe Bryant's father. Strange world, strange small world here. The point of this is is to say 
the conditions for the Magic to successfully trade the number one pick do not exist. And it's not saying I don't think the Magic should not entertain trades. They shouldn't explore them if they're there. But the reality is the guy the Magic want probably isn't going to be there at three. May not even be there at two. At the end of the day, their best bet is to take the first pick. Trading the trading down for a few spots. Honestly, someone pitched a trade to me uh, on this, and I honestly told them, and, and I'm sorry if this came across a little too harsh, I honestly told them, this trade feels like you're trading two quarters for one dollar, or you're trading one dollar bill for two quarters because two is more than one. The number one pick is valuable real estate. It is something that people want. It is something that they will give up significant and numerous assets to get. But in a draft where there is no runaway player, the Magic need the pick. The pick that they're drafting is going to be a foundational player for this rebuild. And the Magic aren't trying to draft for need. They're trying to draft the best player available. To me, that just screams... Any talk of trade with the Orlando Magic is probably a smokescreen, is probably just noise, is probably just boredom. The conditions to make a trade for the Orlando Magic with this top pick are not present. And that's what history teaches us. If you want a successful trade of the number one pick, you have to not need the number one pick. You have to view the number one pick as a bonus, not as a necessity. And this pick is indeed a necessity for the Orlando Magic. We'll chat a little bit about the latest on Terrence Ross coming up here in just a moment so I can pause. But there is going to be trades here. At the, NBA, at, at the NBA draft. And the Orlando Magic are almost certainly going to be involved in some of them. Uh, I've kind of predicted, and, and I'm looking at this at this, uh, at this this free agent class, at the soft season, um, I, I really do think that this is going to be an active summer for trades. There are a few teams with cap room, so there's not a lot of money to be spent. There are a lo- not a lot of great free agents out there to spend them on. Um, I actually think this will be a problem for the Magic, even though they do have a lot of money to spend. There's no one really to put the money toward. And so I really think what's going to end up happening is I think we will see a lot of trades. Whether it's Donovan Mitchell, whether it's Rudy Gobert, you know, there's obviously the Atlanta-Utah trade that's been rumored forever. There's Jeremy Grant that's been rumored to the Portland Trailblazers forever. There are going to be several moves this offseason. And the way teams that are hungry to take that next step to level up a little bit, they're going to look to the trade market. And I think Orlando is going to be a really valuable player in that market because we have spare cap room and we will rent that out if you give us a first-round pick or give us a nice young player that we want. But I think obviously the, the first kind of priority for the Orlando Magic as they look ahead to this trade to this trade season, to this trade market, um, is to trade Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross has already made it abundantly clear publicly that he would like to move on. It's not that he dislikes the Orlando Magic. It's not that he doesn't believe in what the Orlando Magic are building. He said on his podcast, the T-Ross podcast, uh, that he is at a stage of his career where he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. He wants to be part of a winning franchise. Um, He has said nothing but good things about the Orlando Magic. He said nothing but good things 
about Jeff Weltman, and I think he trusts Weltman to take care of him and, and, and trusts the Magic to take care of themselves in the process. Um, to say the least, it, it, it does look like the Magic are going to trade Terrence Ross at some point this offseason. I, I, I do think that is the responsible thing to do at this point. It's now just about finding the right deal. Therein lies the problem. Back at the trade deadline last February, the Orlando Magic were looking for a first-round pick for Terrence Ross, and they were not finding it. It appears today that there are still some questions about being able to get a first-round pick for Terrence Ross. Rival executives told Michael Scotto of Hoopsite that rival executives are hoping that the Magic lower that asking price to two second-round picks. Um, so it's something similar to what the Magic did with Evan Fournier. At the trade deadline two years ago, the Orlando Magic traded Evan Fournier into Boston's trade exception for Jeff Teague and a, I think it was a top 55 protected second round pick. So essentially nothing. Um, the Magic gave Evan Fournier away so Boston could have him the last half of the season. They obviously lost him and all it cost them was a good chunk of a, a trade exception that the Magic ended up letting lapse anyway. This is again kind of all to say that the trade market's going to dry up pretty quickly for Terrence Ross. Um, you know, he's coming off a really poor season, his worst season in an Orlando Magic uniform, quite possibly. Um, and it's, you know, it's definitely a fair question to say, what is Terrence Ross's value? Um, if I had my druthers, I would still say, yes, go for a first-round pick. You can use your two second-round picks as potential sweeteners to go get a deal. Um, but it may end up having to be that the Magic do something different, or they only atta- they attach Terrence Ross and a second-round pick to go get someone that they like. A lot of fans have kind of glommed onto this, I- this idea uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. I've seen some Sixers fans talk about it as well. Uh, Terrence Ross being traded to the Philadelphia 76ers for Danny Green and the Sixers' first-round pick. This would probably be about as ideal as the Magic can go, actually. Um, I like Danny Green as an idea as a veteran, but he is out for the season after tearing his ACL. Obviously, the Magic don't want a lot of torn ACLs on their roster. Um, His contract becomes fully guaranteed on July 1st, so that could be an easy cut. You create a little bit more cap room, or you keep him around, say, hey, rehab with us, be a good be a good presence for for guys when you can. Um, you know we'll take we'll take care of you uh, at the trade deadline if if you can play at all. It's I I think I kind of think Danny Green's career is over at this point. Um, it's it, it, it there there's an idea there and and of course that the, it hinges on who you take with that draft pick with the twenty sixth pick I think twenty sixth or twenty fifth pick in the draft um, with with the Philadelphia 76ers. The other trade idea that I've pitched and I really really like um, and I don't know how to get it done. Um, would be with Memphis. I think the Magic should chase after Steven Adams. Um, I've talked about it a lot here on this podcast. The Magic have a need at backup center. Uh, I don't know if they're going to re-sign Mo Bamba. I kind, I'm kind i more leaning no than yes. Um, but that center market looks really, really rough. If you sign Steven, if you acquire Steven Adams, he's got one year left at $17.5 million, so $5 million more than Terrence Ross, or 5 or $6 million more than Terrence Ross, which again, doesn't really matter. Steven Adams is a great veteran, gives him playoff experience. He's worked with rebuilding teams before. Whether he's open to it again is certainly a fair question to ask. Um, but he's an expiring contract, so you could flip him again at the deadline. Uh, but he comes in, he'd be a solid backup center. He could start when you need him to start. He could play alongside Wendell Carter if you needed him to play alongside Wendell Carter. He'd be a really, really good veteran. You could. Pr- it, it might cost you a second-round pick. might cost you both second-round picks to get that done. I don't know how open Memphis would be to draft picks. 
My idea was that you could also get a first in that, but you may not be able to because Steven Adams is still pretty valuable. Uh, I'm sure Memphis would love to have a shooter like Terrence Ross um, and then, of course, continue to have options to find centers. There are some decent backup centers possibly available in this draft. Steven Adams essentially got played off the court in the playoffs, so I, I don't know if Memphis would feel like they have a ton of use for them as they kind of prepare for uh, the pl- before, prepare to be a playoff team. The point of kind of putting those speculations and putting those offers out there is to say that, yes, there is still some, there are still frameworks that, that can work and still ways that the Magic can get a deal done to move Ross. Um, and I think now that the trade deadline is approaching, now that the trade, or now that the draft is approaching and the trade season is about to open up again, we're going to start seeing some action and start seeing some movement. And yes, Terrence Ross is very much on the block. And I would expect him to be moved either at the draft or shortly after the free agency gun goes off uh, for this for this this offseason period. That kind of sets the table for a big week here for the Orlando Magic. We will hear from Jeff Weltman uh, or later this week as he does uh, the Magic usually do a pre-draft uh, media availability with uh, with Jeff Weltman. So we will hear from him sometime before Thursday. Um, we'll definitely co- we'll definitely cover that here on the pod. Um, there is a lot to get to, and there's a lot to decide as the Orlando Magic get closer and closer to making the first pick in this NBA draft. So stay tuned with us for a very, very big week. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Plus, find me on Twitter at philiprr_md. Find the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Just your tune in him, leave Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, all the places on podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at O Magic Daily. Now that you're done listening to us, be sure to check out the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. Picks 1 through 6 went up on Thursday. I believe picks six, picks uh, 7 through 12 or whatever, or whatever the next numbers are. The next batch of picks went up Friday. The next batch of picks will be up Monday. The Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is the best way to prepare for the NBA Draft. We, we did a full mock draft uh, of the first 30 picks at least, with trades and everything. Get insight from over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, the draft experts of Locked On NBA Big Board, and a whole lot more. The five-episode Ultimate NBA Mock Draft is underway. Make the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft your second listen today. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic, Locked On Magic, this has been Joe Frost and Ryan. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On.